0: lock
1: and load. This is Steve Dace. The
2: Steve Day Show.
3: And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know who you are. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email the show. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And look for Steve Dace, me on we Parlor and Gabs. Speaking of Parlor. Uh, With its return, they get to take center stage next hour with our Monday Ask Me Anything Town Hall. Those questions coming from our Parlor followers a little bit later on. And remember, that's P-A-R-L-E-R. And if you're looking for clips of the show, you can sample for free. Go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Uh, We are not mentioning YouTube anymore. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, they just don't exist. Uh, On some level, I guess... Providing they, as long as they continue a platform, I have to do business with them, I guess. Uh, But I don't have to acknowledge them. They gave our channel a second strike over the weekend and didn't offer any specific reasons as to why. Because the reason is we're kicking their ass. That's why. Okay. And uh, that means we can't post any new content there. What is it for two weeks? Two weeks. So that's another example. The day could come. Any day. Any day now. The day could arrive, you just cannot get us anywhere uh, other than directly through Blaze TV. That's why you want to go to BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Get a discounted subscription to the program at BlazeTV.com slash Dace, D-E-A-C-E, so that you can get it directly from us. And get all the other exclusive content we do like the overtime and other people do each and every day and not have to deal with big tech censorship. We already took a step I did not want to take, frankly. I only took it because I was asked by our benevolent overlords here at the blaze and i when in doubt i try to be a good corporate citizen because of how difficult my viewpoints can be in defending them at times i'm aware of that so i when we're not on the air i try to compensate for that by being as flexible as i can so when it was requested that after the first strike we include an insert that basically took out the material that YouTube said was offensive before. We we honored that, right? Yep. And, and that's an extra step of work for you, right? Yep. And you're getting paid how much more for that? Nothing. No, none, yeah. But we did it, right? We did it. And how did we get repaid by some butthurt engineer over at YouTube tired of getting his ass kicked by the likes of us on every argument? They just gave us a second strike without any specific rationale for it. I'm never mentioning that channel again. I'm we're not posting up and I'm telling you this on the air uh, cuz you have access to my social accounts. Don't post any more links from YouTube ever again on any of my web on any of my on any of my social media. They are dead to me. Um we'll either do Rumble as long as it exists or people will just have to subscribe at Blaze TV dot com slash dace but i made an accommodation i did not want to make but i did it just to show hey id logs can be flexible too how did i get repaid with this so one time shame on you two times shame on me all in favor it's wait a minute jo- it, it's, it's, it's a the johnny dangerously but role though but go ahead you may have an opinion it's anyway. the
0: johnny dangerously roll yes. yes yeah
3: my, that's right youtube did this to me once once. Once, yes. I asked Joe Pesci,
1: or not Joe Pesci,
3: um, Joe, Piscopo. Joe Piscopo, when we worked together in Salem, uh, if he would do that for me, and, and he
1: would not. So, you think, just to add to that, do you think Steve is exaggerating here just a little bit? Think about this, our first strike, which is from a video that they went back, back months and months to find. Our first strike was set to expire in just a matter of days, and then we get hit with this. And, of course, all, that it's, all, all the explanation that they give is, Medical misinformation. They can't point to anything specifically, just medical misinformation.
3: Indeed. So we're, I'm I'm just done. I'm never mentioning that channel ever again. If you've been relying on that to connect with us, understand it, that's iffy moving forward in the future. I don't know how many more accommodations I can make other than we take out the offending material before it's actually posted. Isn't this what our colleague Stephen Crowder's lawsuit is about? What are your standards? You, you, don't, you, you don't articulate them. You're, the standard is I'm kicking your ass in an argument. Uh, you're I'm, I'm defeating your be- the belief system of your corporation uh, of your global monolith. That's the standard. Correct. And as long and when you get too effective at doing so, you have to go. That's that's the standard. Well, it's you know what I'm not playing that standard. I have my own platform right here, and you get this directly from us, BlazeTV.com/slash Dace. You just never know when the day is going to come that this is true across the board. All right. I mentioned next next hour. It's our Monday. Ask me anything town hall. Our good friend Bob Vanderplotz will be joining us. There's some 2024 presidential politics in the news. We'll talk to him about at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away.
1: What happened while we were away brought to you by the great reset turned great retcon. Dr. Anthony Fauci has joined the Wall Street Journal, former CDC head Robert Redfield and numerous skeptical scientists in expanding the Overton window when it comes to the true
4: origins of Wuhan coronavirus. I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China until we find out to the best of our ability exactly what happened. Certainly, the people who've investigated say that it likely was the emergence from an animal reservoir that then infected individuals, but it could have been something else, and we need to find that out. So, You know, that's the reason why I said I'm perfectly in favor of any investigation that looks into the origin of the virus.
1: Fauci's comments came during an interview with PolitiFact. More on the aforementioned Wall Street Journal report, which details that three Wuhan Institute of Virology researchers became sick enough with symptoms mirroring that of COVID-19 in November 2019 that they sought hospital care. And now a few headlines from last year. NPR, scientists debunk lab accident theory of pandemic emergence. Vox, why these scientists still doubt the coronavirus leaked from a Chinese lab. Op-ed at The Guardian by Peter Daszak. Ignore the conspiracy theories scientists knew COVID-19 wasn't created in a lab. ABC News, virologists vigorously debunked new study on origins of the novel coronavirus. Washington Post, Tom Cotton keeps repeating a coronavirus conspiracy theory that was already debunked. Speaking of Tom Cotton, here's what he had to say about the story over the weekend.
2: The letter that I joined Senator Ron Johnson and a handful of other senators on very specifically asks the National Institutes of Health why they were funded, funding gain of function research in these Wuhan labs. Now Dr. Fauci has been to Congress and he said this absolutely did not happen. But Dr. Fauci is playing word games. So the money that the NIH gave went to an American organization which turned around and gave hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to these Wuhan labs to investigate coronaviruses and yes, to find ways to make them more contagious and more dangerous. And uh, we asked Francis Collins, who is Dr. Fauci's boss, to come clean, to tell us exactly what was happening, why this research was being funded. As you point out, Maria, during a time in which the Obama administration had explicitly banned this kind of -of gain-of-function research, research into making some of the world's deadliest pathogens even more dangerous. And and I, I think that there could be An example here of these public health bureaucrats thinking they know better, that they're not going to answer to political oversight and accountability, even in the uh, Obama administration. They went ahead with this research that could be very dangerous. That's why it is imperative that the NIH come clean and tell us exactly what happened.
1: And now, something that came to our attention over the weekend, an upcoming event planned and paid for by the World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins University, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation seeks to simulate a global pandemic. The fictional scenario lays out for scientists and academic leaders a novel coronavirus which jumps from bat to pigs to humans in Brazil before spreading all over the planet. The scenario also stipulates that there's an antiviral drug available that helps those hospitalized with symptoms from the disease, which range from a mild flu to full-blood pneumonia but the drug doesn't actually stop the spread finally the scenario also stipulates that a vaccine to combat the virus won't be available for at least a year the name of the gathering just described is called event 201 and it actually happened back in october 2019 a few months before much of the world started paying attention to china's outbreak covid hypocrisy update chicago mayor Lori lightfoot said last monday she'd continue to wear a mask outside in social settings here she is over the weekend In Michigan, Governor Gretchen Whitmer is apologizing after she was caught breaking her own COVID restrictions after a photo leaked of her posing for a photo with a large group of friends out on the town at a bar. Headline from the Washington Post, masks are off, which means men will start telling women to smile again. The state of Oregon's health authority has implemented new rules requiring private businesses to force their customers to provide proof of vaccination before shopping without a mask. Moving on, and according to the Associated Press, the two Bureau of Prisons workers tasked with guarding Jeffrey Epstein the night he didn't kill himself in a New York jail have admitted they falsified records. But they'll skirt any time behind bars after striking a deal with federal prosecutors. Columnist Ryan Gerduski started digging through some voting patterns of millennials. He compared the Democrat advantage amongst millennials from 2008 to 2020. He found some interesting patterns. In Alabama, Democrats had a plus three advantage amongst millennials in 2008. In 2020, Republicans had a 17-point advantage. California went from D plus 53 to D plus 29, Florida went from D-plus 24 to R-plus 2, and North Carolina went from D-48 to D-plus 13. And finally, for something completely different, tragic, and good, here's this from CBS New York.
4: Not sure where to go or what to do, this 14-year-old girl decided to go into this restaurant, seen here going to the counter with a sense of desperation. She looks at me with these, like, really sad, terrified eyes, and she asks me for help. THAT'S WHEN ELISE SCOTT GOT UP, SANITIZED HER HANDS, AND STEPPED IN.
0: I SAT DOWN, I CHECKED THE BABY'S VITALS, THE HEART rate WAS STRONG, BUT THE BREATHING WAS REALLY LABORED.
4: AS SHE WAS HELPING THE TEENAGE MOM, LEFT. LUCKILY FOR SCOTT, SHE'S HAD TRAINING IN CPR AND FIRST AID. NOT TO MENTION SHE HERSELF IS A MOTHER OF THREE. I
0: was just so happy once I got the oxygen mask onto the baby and she started to cry because that meant that, you know, she was going to be okay.
4: Scott's boyfriend, Walter, abandoned as a baby himself, oh, was emotional. Goodness.
0: Wow. This is, whoa.
4: She's crying. Oh,
5: you're hungry.
0: Oh, my
1: goodness.
4: He captured the moment that newborn could be heard crying. HERE AT EL PATRON, THE TEAMWORK OF A RESTAURANT OWNER AND A CUSTOMER THAT'S CREATED A SPECIAL BOND, KNOWING THEY helped SAVE A LIFE.
0: THERE'S BEEN SO MANY INCIDENTS WHERE SHE COULD HAVE PUT THE BABY IN
1: A TRASH CAN OR LEFT THE BABY WITH a, a STRANGER THAT WOULD HAVE DONE SOME HARM TO THE BABY.
4: SHE DID THE BEST THING SHE COULD DO UNDER THE CIRCUMSTANCES. YOU COULD HAVE LEFT THE BABY ANYWHERE, COULDN'T EVEN BE ALIVE, BUT INSTEAD SHE ALLOWED THE BABY TO HAVE A SECOND CHANCE WITH AT LEAST SOMEBODY. Police were able to catch up with that 14-year-old girl. She was taken to the hospital. She will not be charged. That's because of the state's safe haven law, which allows parents with babies up to 30 days after they're born to drop them off safely at a hospital, police station, or firehouse. In Jersey City, Kevin Rincon, CBS2 News. Incredible situation. The baby girl is being treated at Jersey City Medical Center and will be put up for adoption. And that's what happened while we were away.
1: I have a lot
3: to say after that montage. Aaron used a phrase, the great retcon. Now, this began with the globalist, utopian promise of a great reset. Instead, what you're watching take place now is a great retcon. Bill Gates is being discredited daily in media now. The masks are off, literally. Israel and Denmark saying they're not doing vaccine passports. The reason Oregon, and to a lesser degree Washington, are making news with them is because they're one of the few exceptions. We thought this was going to be nationwide. Most states are not going to be doing them. CDC says now it will go ahead and look into risks with the youth and the COVID-19 vaccinations. And now we are cracking open the Overton window on the origins of the virus. There's a great retcon happening here. Don't let them get away with it. If they lie to us about the origins of the virus all this time, what else have they lied about? Have you wondered why you're not getting obsessive coverage of India's COVID problem in the last few days? I can tell you why. India has seen a 40% decline in daily new cases since its peak of almost three weeks ago. 40%? Not coincidentally, seems to coincide with several Indian states administering ivermectin instead of the drug, we know here's a fraud, remdesivir. I'm sure it's a pure coincidence. Were you gaslighted on hydroxychloroquine? Before you're being gaslighted on ivermectin now. by the time this ordeal is over, everything we were told that we could not say or was not true will turn out to be the truth. All of it. And you're watching this take place right now. Is it just a it's it's a maze balls? Four months before the WHO announced a pandemic surrounding a mutated coronavirus, a lot of these exact same elites put on a conference at Johns Hopkins game theorying out the exact scenario that eventually played itself out. Weird. You ever, did you ever think it was weird They just had the vaccine messaging and plan so quick and ready to go. Like, suddenly, they had it ready to go. The models? The models that came out of nowhere. Imperial College,
0: IHME. Your light bulb, originally. Yes.
3: They had those models. They had the models ready to go. All based on the spreading of droplets when it's actually an airborne contagion.
0: Hmm.
1: Steve, event 201 just proves how ready they actually were. Yeah, and just how, how, good, how their, good they really are at this. Yeah,
3: yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Huh. And We find this out now that U.S. intelligence confirmed cases of COVID-like illness within Chinese scientists right around the time that that event 201 was taking place. Weird. Huh. It's just really weird how they had all this ready to go right away. One of my all-time favorite movie scenes is in this really obscure Christian film called Joshua. And in this, this first of all, if you've never seen this film, you should. It, it's probably the best Christian movie you've never seen. It's extremely well done. Tony Goldwyn plays Jesus. And the premise of the film is, what would have happened if Christ had not returned until modern times? And there are some powerful scenes in that film, but the best, and one of my all-time favorite scenes, is Tony Goldwyn's Jesus is just sort of visiting the community at night, walking around. And he comes upon an old-fashioned-style tent revival going on. So he walks in. And the guy at the front, though, he's not doing some old-time religion. He's doing that new school Benny Hinn kind of stuff. He's got the earpiece in, telling him who the marks are for the fake healings and everything else. And there's this beautiful, blind young girl sitting in the front row, believing with all her heart she's come to get her miracle. He's going to make her see. She got there first early. She's sitting in the front, waiting, believing her miracle is coming. Meanwhile, the plants around her get called up to the stage instead. And while this sideshow is going on on the stage, and it's all fake news, all of it, none of it's real at all. Jesus or Joshua, his, his Hebrew name walks up, Yeshua walks up without saying a word as this entire spectacle is taking place. And he walks up takes the blind girl's glasses off and heals her of her sight. And then suddenly, when she proclaims, she can see everything stops. The Benny Hinn-like character on the stage is ashamed. And what Joshua says next is probably the harshest rebuke. Remember when your mom used to say, wait until your dad got home, and you'd be afraid, right? Dad, take the belt or something to you, but eventually that pain would subside, right? But when mom looked at you and said what? I'm so disappointed. You were almost like, call the old man, have him come home for lunch, I'll take the belt, right? You cut me deep, Shrek, with that. All right, don't disappoint moms. I'll take the belt every time over mom looking at you and saying, I'm so disappointed. And that's what Joshua does to this fake faith healer, Benny Hinn character. He looks at him in front of everybody and in a mellow but stern voice, the voice of a disappointed father, he says. You don't have to do it this way. And it just breaks everybody in the room. As I've been watching this retcon take place over the last few days, the thought occurred to me, I, I rem- I'm reminded of that great scene. Because you know what? They didn't have to do it this way. They didn't, they didn't have to. Uh, imagine instead, imagine instead if they would have taken us from the beginning and said something like this. We can't trust China. We don't know the true origins of the virus. We don't know if we're dealing with a natural phenomenon. So we're throwing everything we can at this, including some things in the past that we thought won't work with traditional outbreaks. But we're going to do what we can while we acquire enough real-time data to know for sure. And that they used measured pleas On mitigation efforts like social distancing that previous studies have shown does not work. Masks, which for decades we've known don't work. But again, maybe, you know, they would have said, hey, um, this is why we're quarantining the healthy. Because this may be a synthetic virus. It may be specifically designed or have accidentally mutated into something that does spread asymptomatically. We don't know. We don't know, but we really are all in this together. We're going to be transparent with you as we data mine this out in real time, this discovery process. And in exchange, we ask you to trust us as we mobilize the home front against something that couldn't being a year from now, nothing or, or the walking dead. We don't know. And thus we had like a true public private partnership Transparency in exchange for patience. That we were treated as citizens instead of subjects. Just imagine how things might have been different. Instead, we got, we got Benny Hinn on the stage. We got a forked tongue certainty about things they often didn't know or people like me could empirically prove with data they're wrong about. In fact, some of us got so good at pointing this out that we either got banned, shadow banned, or our account traffic crushed. See the announcement we made about a second strike from YouTube here at the beginning of the program. See what Amazon did to trying to search for our book after it hit number one in the country. You know, things like that. We were told things were true with certainty that they're now admitting were not We were told things weren't true with certainty that they're now admitting might very well be. We were told to just ignore real-time data and follow their unsubstantiated claims of certainty instead. We were told to ignore all other pre-established science and scientific precedents. For example, we watched the science uh, unmasked change overnight. Just go look it up. We reference this in Fauci and Bargain. Sometime around this time last year, around the 1st of June, literally it was like decades of work on masks not working. Had never been done before. Down the memory hole we go. Right on cue with the narrative. Strange coincidence. timing again. The timing on this just, oh man, if we didn't have Wuhan for luck, we'd have no luck at all. The timing on this is just always so damned coincidental, isn't it? In short, we, the people, we were, we were treated with an aura of suspicion. Meanwhile, we were asked to give the ruling class unconditional benefit of the doubt in exchange for that. That is not a social compact. That's tyranny. And along the way, I think we have now learned three very important lessons. Heed these lessons because I promise you they will try to do this again and again and again. They're still trying to do it now as we speak. We're winning the current fight, but it is not over. Number one, too many of our fellow Americans just don't want to be Americans anymore. It's either too hard, self-government, or the indoctrination within them is just too strong. They were made, therefore, They were made to be ruled, and they will demand that you agree to being ruled as well. A good friend of mine sent me a note. His son is a doctor. Just hired an 18-year-old administrative assistant. She comes to work the first day wearing a mask. He says, you don't have to wear that in here. You're good. She comes back the second day wearing the mask. He says, I told you yesterday, you don't have to wear that. Her response, he's the doctor. Her response back to him, it just makes me feel better. Too many Americans aren't interested, willing, or capable of being Americans any longer. Number two. A long list, remember, the long list of peoples, institutions, entities, never, never, never to be trusted again. And then a much shorter list of those of us who smelled a rat from the very beginning. And collectively, we amassed a data-driven resistance that has played at least some role in why this country has more successfully pushed back on this tyranny than any other country has. Number three the truth in our constitution still wins. Oh, it is a dead letter, effectively, according to the system and the way we run our country nowadays. But a funny thing happens when government, by the consent of the governed, gets deployed. When we decide, you know what, you know-it-alls may have decided that the constitution doesn't matter, but we're going to go ahead and carry on as if it does. Thank you, though. Because that framework... While largely dead in most of our governing bodies in America, that framework helped to mobilize and manifest the pushback that has COVID stand in retreat as we speak. It turns out that 5,000-year leap still, still leaps over tall shibboleths in a single bound, including the shibboleths of the damned. The Constitution still works when we work it. Understand, I've been warning about this for weeks. The spirit of the age is going to run this playbook back on virtually everything, given how successful it was this first go-around. Be vigilant. Neither fall for it or any soft-headed conservative media personas that originally fell for this canard and are still falling for it while trying to gaslight you today that they were not. You know their names. I don't have to tell them to you. You know who I'm talking about. I... Names came into your head. As soon as I said this, you thought of names. I don't have to give them to you. Your conscience doesn't lie to you. We don't have time anymore to enrich these people and, and give them any more New York Times bestsellers. Literally, our civilization is at stake. Keep close tabs on who your friends were and who... Your friends weren't. Keep close tabs on who was honest with you when they were wrong. Meaning, our friend Josh Hammer, you know, originally I kind of bought into this and I started doing my own data research and looked at what you were doing. I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? You know, those are people. Keep track of those kinds of people. Keep tracks of those people that are right now with larger platforms than, say, us, co-opting our work and pretending as if they were on the side of the angels all along. No, they weren't. Maybe the fallen angels As Augustine once said, there are many sheep without, but there are many wolves within. Feed the sheep, shoot the wolves, metaphorically speaking. Nothing less will do when your civilization is at stake. We've been warning you about home title theft for quite a while now. This is where cyber thieves uh, go online, where your home's title is kept, uh, and remove you from the title so they can become the new owner. And that's one of the reasons why you want to get home title locked, to protect you against data breaches that will expose sensitive information that allows people to identify as you, like, say, What just happened with Facebook, they had a 500 million account data breach. So names, address, personal information, the kinds of stuff that you keep online to identify as you allow cyber thieves now to go online where your home's title is kept, log in as you and then forge your signature on what's called a quit claim deed uh, that says they're the new owner now. So they get the equity and the value in the home. They stick you with the payments, maybe even foreclosure and eviction. Don't let this happen to you. And that's what our friends at Home Title Lock do. It's all they do is protect homeowners just like all of you. Sign up today for 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach when you go to HomeTitleLock.com and use the code RADIO. So if you were notified, hey, your Facebook account, got to change your password, that means your data was probably in there, okay? Uh, that's why, that's why you want to go to home title and use the promo code radio for 30 free days of protection today at home title Let's bring in our good friend, Bob Vanderplats from the family leader. Good to see you, Bob.
5: How are you? I'm very blessed. But as I told Todd, not as good as he's doing today after the success his daughter had. Congratulations, Todd. Indeed. You can brag can. a little
3: bit, Todd. Go ahead. Well, thanks. I mean, ain't bragging if you if you if you can do it, right?
0: Thanks for giving me the time off. As you know, she had two second place finishes when you last saw me Friday, but Saturday she ran the 800 and the 1500, and she's uh, the state champ in both of them, and ran PRs and everything she ran. That's I mean, personal just, record
3: for the uninitiated, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's
0: just all came together. It was, um, it was beautiful. It was remarkable. And when I met a fan of the show, I posted a picture. You found one, huh? There is one out there. <laughs> well, no, it said, a- a- Amy Hawkinsmith, I believe, but a fan of the show sitting behind us from Panorama. She took a picture of me cheering, and Ainsley's just about to finish. And they were so nice, and we were cheering for everybody's family around there. And she, afterwards, she, uh, she took those pictures, gave them to my wife, but didn't mention anything about the show. And then she texted later, and she said, I didn't want to be fangirl. Uh, right then because it was just a family moment but she said the the Steve Day show Steve you Aaron have made such a big impact the last year particularly in my husband and I just wanted to say Oh, uh, oh yeah so that's why we it was uh, i mean i i she said i probably would have done it anyway, you guys seem so nice but knowing who you were i wanted to make sure your family had these pictures and she said please pass on to steve and aaron how much we love the show so oh that's very Amy, kind god bless you and thank you so you root for the other family's kids huh? oh it's like a party in okay because
3: this weekend you know facebook always pops up you know what happened this day eight nine ten five eleven years ago right so this weekend before Memorial Day was always when Zoe and Anna were little ballet recital weekend. Okay? And I would always go to the recitals. To this day I don't know what most of the recitals that the girls were in were. I I I just slept the entire time and then Amy would wake me up when our girls were on there. So I could watch our girls and stuff, but I didn't really care. I mean, I didn't make the rest of those kids, so I I, I just cared about what my girls were doing. There you know? is
0: no ability to nap at the finish line okay. at stage. Okay. But I will say you will – and Steve
3: Bob is a, not surprised to hear – I'm, I'm again, the worst person here. He's not surprised
5: to well, hear that. The thing it is though, is that I think uh, what Todd is alluding to is that track and field is very much of a family. It's very much of a community sport. Uh, Todd has a picture, which I've posted. He's posted Twitter, Facebook of these girls competing teams, competing athletes, praying with each other before the event. To me, that is really, really cool. And for Amy uh to be able to share that photo with you, to share the story with you, and when she also said, I really love Mondays with Bob, was <laughs> <laughs> only kidding, only kidding. But, uh, what I mean, what a great story. And Ainsley, I got to tell you, and I told you this before, by extension, I was celebrating like crazy with you, so I know all the hard work she's put in, and what a gifted athlete, and she gives God the glory, which is just fun to watch
0: um well, thank you both you, Steve. You gave me the time off um um my cup runneth over over, but we all have our kids' stories in our lives. It doesn't happen to be you know spread over a, a newspaper or something i mean we're we're they're all a blessing, and um just find the thing that they love and find the thing that they're good at. It doesn't matter what it is, and have them do it for the glory of God and just watch out and see what happens.
3: Well said. Amen. All right, so we didn't get a chance to talk about this when you were here last week because we had the breaking news about uh, the Supreme Court challenge to Roe v. Wade that was announced Monday morning, a week ago. But Christine Ohm has agreed to come to your Family Leadership Summit at the end of July, right? Mm -hmm.
5: July 16th.
3: Okay, or the middle of July. So, I mean... There's only like one reason uh, a governor of of South Dakota wants to come to Iowa. In the, Close. Okay. Uh, there's really only still one, um, and 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 of course it's presidential speculation where she is concerned. Where do you think she is at? Because I would have put her in a tier with a guy like a DeSantis, um, uh, probably uh, four to six months ago, and. If you're looking, if if Trump does not decide to run now, I was at 50-50 he was not going to run about a month ago. I think it's 75-25 he's going to run as we sit here today. All right, but it's Trump. So again, trying to predict what he'll do in the future is, I I'm, I officially don't do that. Sure. Because it's just never right. Okay. Or if it's right, it's for the wrong reason. So I'm not. I'm permanently out of the Trump prediction business. But she has. Um, a lot of connections, like with Corey Lewandowski and everybody else, high up in Trump world, that if he didn't run, she would that would clearly give her a, a, an in line to being a the a Trump anointed. You know, this is my son or daughter, mm-hmm. in whom I am well pleased, right? Kind of candidate. But I think she has done nearly a mortal wound to herself on the tranny issue earlier this year which, I mean, I was not happy to see as a fan of what she did a year ago on COVID. But what's your read of, of where she sits as a candidate?
5: Well, a couple things. First of all, one would be, you're right. Uh, if Trump doesn't run, would she be like the, hey, this is the person I want to get behind? However, as you and I have talked about before, there could also be a shadow primary going on. For VP. For VP. So mm-hmm. if Trump does run, and when he's doing all these rallies, I would be with you. My thought of him running again goes up every time he has another rally. You know, does Christy Noem then be the, become the VP choice? I don't know. I would say with Christy Noem, first of all, we're thrilled to be having her at our summit on July 16. Anybody who's watching this, go to thefamilyleader.com, and you can find ways to be there. She has a lot of conservative star appeal, and she's in front of a national audience all the time. I'm with you in regards to, I think it was a swing and a major miss on the, I think it was an own goal. Uh, on the boys participating in the girls' athletics. Mm-hmm. And what you see in presidential politics, and you and I have seen it, had the front row seat to it, the ebb and flow of she's, a, she's a, either a first, second, or third place finisher right now, and all of a sudden you have a swing and a miss, and all of a sudden are you even in the top 10 anymore? To me, I think what she should do at the family leadership Summit is one is espouse her conservative credentials, talk about how she's led during COVID, how she's made South Dakota a business-friendly state where others want to come and do business, but then talk about, you know what? Uh, I did have a swing and a miss on this issue. And then talk about why you are defending girls now, why you're defending Title IX, why you're standing with Governor Ron DeSantis, why you're standing with Governor Reynolds. It's okay to be wrong. Every leader has it. You're okay mm-hmm. to be wrong. It's just not okay to stay wrong. See,
3: this is why I thought it was so damaging to her. It's not that it was wrong. It's, it's then when it was pointed out to her and they came out with this is conservative cancel yeah. culture and all that other stuff. Yeah. But where, where I may have a... Contra- I forgot about that. You're right. To me, because I think that just showed your operations kind of not ready for primetime sure. in a way. But this may be a contrarian take. If Trump does run again, I think it greatly enhances her prospects. Without question. I think she, in fact, I think she may be number one on the list for a running mate ahead of DeSantis. I can't see Trump making DeSantis' as running mate. Nope. DeSantis just, just would outshine Trump in every room, and you don't get to do that, right? And you have two alpha males. you, you got to have Mike Pence level of groveling. Nope. I, mean, I mean, Mike Pence could be asked a question about anything, 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 anything. Hey, what about that rule that you don't meet alone with women? That's kind of weird, huh that that thing you have going on, and Mike would find some way to say, I want to tell you right now. nobody meets alone or doesn't meet alone with women better than Donald Trump. I've seen it myself. I mean he could work a grovel to Trump in in any circumstance. That is what is required of that position, and I just cannot see DeSantis doing that on that effective of a level. I could certainly see yeah. Christian Ohm doing it, and I also think that um, we saw Trump totally overlook the fact Mike Pence's political prospects were dead in Indiana mm-hmm. after what happened with religious liberty there and just, and just put him in and is the, I think he'll totally overlook the tranny thing said, I'll just talk about the issue myself. Mm-hmm. And he'll look at Christine Ohm as I'm just going to send her to go talk to suburban women for the next, yeah. for the next year.
5: And, and I think it, it, everything's different if Trump runs, uh, cause then the vote is going to be completely on Trump and your running mate just happens to be somebody that can check a lot of the boxes. Christy Nome can check a lot of the boxes and somebody that can go up against the Kamala Harris in a vice presidential debate. Mm -hmm. You know, you take a look though at Christy Nome. I think somebody that she wants to be on stage with. And I'm giving her that opportunity at the leadership summit. Not only will she be a featured speaker at the summit, but at a at a luncheon, I'm giving her an opportunity to be on stage with Governor Kim Reynolds. Because people in Iowa like Governor Kim Reynolds a lot. Matter of fact, if Trump did not pick Christy Noem, I know I'm a big Kim Reynolds fan, don't forget about Kim Reynolds that he may take a look at as well. Uh, she's done a fan, fantastic job as governor of the state of Iowa. So I think it only enhances Christy Noem's stature if she's seen on stage with Governor Reynolds and in, obviously, in her state, the state of Iowa, and at the Family Leadership Summit. So I think it's a move in the right direction for Christy Noem. We will have others that we'll be releasing here in the future.
3: Any other that would be presidential candidates? Yes. Okay. So let's, we've talked about this for the last couple of times. It's come up in recent months from the perspective of what if Trump does not run. Let's come at it from the perspective of what, is, what, what if he does, since I'm leaning towards heavily towards him doing it again, sitting here today. But mm-hmm. again, me and reading Trump tea leaves, I've proven over the years I suck at this. So keep that in mind. Um, the shadow VP primary. I brought that. Up, I brought that up at the beginning of the year that yeah. we would still have some form of a national GOP primary. It would just be a a shadow VP audition. Handicap that because I almost think the candidates might the the candidates might even be different or in inverse order. Like I think Ron DeSantis and Ted Cruz go to the bottom of that list, yeah. and I think Christy Noem goes. Somebody like that goes to the top of it. But what do you think?
5: No, I I think you're right. And quickly, you would say DeSantis is not going to be a VP. Cruz is not going to be a VP. Rubio is not going to be a VP. Would it be Pence Uh, again? uh, No, it will not be Pence again. It will not be Pompeo. Uh, But it would probably be. A Christy Nome. How about a, a Tim Scott? A Tim Scott. I think
3: Tim Scott scores higher in that Without primary question. than he does as a standalone
5: candidate. So you look at Tim Scott, you look at Christy Nome, you look at Nikki Haley, you, and then you look at some I people. can't
3: see Trump picking Nikki Haley. His, uh, I, his I,
5: base I, hates, hates her guts. People. Okay, I, I, I tend to agree with that, but she goes up a lot higher if he's the presidential uh, nominee. The other people you got to look at, though, when I mentioned Governor Kim Rose, now you got to start looking at people who are not going to run for president. They mm-hmm. They don't want to run for president. But they would be a very compelling VP choice, and that's where you start looking at a governor Kim Reynolds, a senator Joni Ernst, and others like that who aren't going to run for president. Uh, so I, I, I think the Reynolds, field I expands. can see
3: Reynolds, I can see Ernst. There's no chance. Um, I mean, Ernst came out in favor of Liz Cheney. There's, there's there's nothing that Ernst could do, say, think. Nothing. I mean, that's that is. The, the Trump church, actually, unlike you know, um, Rome, does excommunications, and Ernst
5: is out. So that one— Oh, they, yes. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to let you get by with that. No way, she yeah, said, yes, no way. Yes and no. Are you kidding me? At the Leadership Summit of 2015, after Trump made the comment, I don't ask God for forgiveness, and he went after John McCain saying, you know, I like veterans who weren't captured, right? Rick Perry just leveled Trump at that Leadership mm-hmm. Summit after that. Rick Perry's in his cabinet. There's a lot of that's people that That's a different that, that situation. Th- that's yeah. that's campaign
3: rhetoric. This was this was a line of demarcation. Was this was the first time ever Trump has truly put his thumb on the scale with intra party politics. Okay, but, but uh, and she and and she took the Liz Cheney mark.
5: Okay. But then okay, let me play And
3: by the way, if I'm gonna get an uh, Iowan, why not get an executive uh, who sure. has a
5: far better record? No, Kim I, has a far better record I than I get Jonah that, does. But I think we're putting too high of a bar on Trump. Because you take a look at Elise Stefanik, who he did get behind and put the thumb on the scale for, she was against his policies. Doesn't she, matter. She, she, she was slobbered against, on him. Yeah, but the she only, was, that's the, that, in Trump world,
3: the mark is, do you sufficiently slobber on Donald Trump, the individual? That's right. the mark.
5: But, but when does it happen? So for Elise Stefanik, it happened late. And by the way, I can take out Liz. So if somebody says, listen, you're all that. And by the way, I can help you get these demographics. I think the then the scale. Anybody, change a
3: anybody bit. who defied Trump on January sixth or any of those narratives. Oh, I agree with you. On no that. chance ever,
5: yeah. not happening.
3: Was voted wrong on Liz Cheney. No chance, never, not happening. Period. I think Kim would be a fascinating choice because she has a, an exemplary record. I think, and the, she and she has, a, she has a welcoming persona that goes along with it. And the she's ones, not as
5: charismatic as Christie, but she she is in, she's easy to like. The ones that we mentioned, Christy Nome, Tim Scott, Kim Reynolds, I could see all three being in the top tier VP picks I agree. real quickly. I, I, I
3: agree with that. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it as always. Good stuff. Thank one, one, you. More, one more time, where do they go if they want to get more information?
5: TheFamilyLeader.com.
3: All right. Well, if this conversation was a pain in your, your rear end or if you're struggling with any other pain involved uh, with inflammation, that's the stuff that doesn't come with an injury, but with chronic inflammation in the body, chronic aches and pains, um, those issues, uh, topical rubs, treatments, they help. Um, at the time, alleviate the symptoms, but they don't treat what's actually causing the pain. That's your inflammation. That's why you want to check out an all-natural anti-inflammatory that I use called Omega XL, backed by 35 years of clinical research. It will attack the inflammation that is causing your pain. And if you want to give it a shot right now, they're offering you buy your first bottle, get the second one for free. Buy one, get one free right now when you go to omegaxl.com steve. That's OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Or give him a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. Real quick, you two, agree or disagree now with my fluctuating odds on whether Trump will run again or not?
0: Just to be clear, you said now you think it's 75% that he, that will. he will? Yeah. That's, that's too high.
3: Okay, Uh, I hope hope you're right. I I would like him to not run again. I I think we have people that can run on his agenda without all of his negatives and everything. And they're not 80. It's just general rule. 80 year old people shouldn't be president of the United States. I'm sorry. Retirement. Move on. Thank you. Yes, I'm ageist. I will own it. For those of you at Media Matters. Although since this would actually be a negative against Trump running, I'm guessing you, you suddenly are okay with that statement, but.
0: Yeah, I just think he's the moment is so important. You never know what somebody said to him on any given day this last week that got him to do the things he did that won't in any way be relevant. That's exactly why I'm out of the Trump prediction racket.
1: What do you think, Aaron? Um, I, I think it's a little bit too high, but I agree. It's fluctuated a bit.
3: Monday Town Hall, Ask Me Anything is next. Stay tuned. All right, we're back with hour two live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erz and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for Steve Dace, me on MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. And look for clips of the program at Rumble.comslash Steve Dace Show. In case you missed it, at the top of the program, from this time forward, YouTube, as far as the Steve Day show is concerned, is dead. Now, I happen to believe my worldview happens to account for resurrections, but they're going to have to perform one, okay, in order for me to acknowledge them once again. They gave our channel a second strike without citing anything specific at all because it's really hard to put in writing we're just tired of your guy kicking our ass and all these arguments so uh, they're dead to us um allegedly we'll be able to post stuff up there again in a couple of weeks but i'm i I already i already made an accommodation i did want to make to try to be as flexible as i could by agreeing to remove certain segments from uh the the segments when we post them on youtube that still wasn't good enough so up your nose with a rubber hose as far as I'm concerned whenever mentioning them again unless they decide to resurrect free speech on their platform or maybe how about a simple step what are your actual standards what are they can you quantify what it is you violate your standards because they won't even do that right that's why our Colleague Stephen Crowder is legally going after them as we speak. So that's another reason why you want to make sure you never know what day you come in. We get one more strike. We're gone from YouTube forever, apparently. So we we irritate them by winning one more argument against them. We'll never be back. That seems like a pretty capricious standard. One way you can avoid all that, just go to blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash Dace. Get a discounted subscription today. Get around the big tech censorship. Get our content directly from us at com slash Dace. And we're always offering a discounted subscription there with that promo code as well at com slash Dace. Just had the Midshow built bar. And if you have not tried this show, they got a brand new flavor right now. White chocolate covered birthday cake. I've not tried that flavor, but I'm, I can't wait to now because Erzin dared to utter some Built Bar skepticism thinking not even Built Bar can pull that flavor off. So it's coming in shipment as we speak. I'm looking forward to it, but man, I just had another coconut brownie chunk that is an absolutely, uh, it's just delicious, man. It's the best protein bar you've ever had. All, some of their flavors are better than others, but all of them are still the best protein bar you've ever had. Uh, the most, unofficially anyway, uh, nutritious candy bar you've ever tried. Fits into any healthy lifestyle, low carb, low sugar, low calorie. Whatever you're going for, Built Bar will work. And right now you get 15% off your first if you've never tried it before or your next. If you want to try it again and again and again. Just use the promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E. Get 15% off right now, promo code DACE. At Built Bar, B U I L T. Now these guys actually deliver, unlike the previous Attorney General Bill Barr, who just played bagpipes and gave speeches. Built Bar actually arrives, delivers a product. B U I L T for BuiltBar.com. Let's get to our Monday Ask Me Anything Town Hall, and with the return of Parlor. We decided to let Parler, and our upwards of 50,000 followers there, uh, for them to take center stage, ask the questions. No topic is off limits. Todd, of course, you selected those questions. And Aaron will then now read them to me. I will respond hearing them for the first time off the cuff in real time. Aaron.
1: We'll start with a two-parter. Socks of Freedom asks, let's say the vote audits come through and show that Trump actually won. Then what? How do you think this will make a difference? Then Pedro uh, End Dragon says, I know you can't speak for Blaze, but I've noticed that your show, along with others on the Blaze Network, have been treading softly around the topic of election fraud. I watched your coverage on November 3rd and uh, seemed a bit surprised by this tack. Is your reticence a product of legal advice, e.g. lawsuit prevention, or do you truly feel it's just not as important as other topics you cover?
3: Those are both really good questions. On the first, on, on, let me say up front, I, I don't get a chance to sample like almost anything else on our network. I mean, the amount of hours I put in for this show and then all the other things I'm involved with, um, that's kind of what I use Twitter and Parler for, is to keep up to date on on highlights and stuff of what everybody around me is saying and doing. But, uh, I mean, on a daily basis, I, I don't listen or watch any of these. I just don't have the time. So... um, I can't speak to what everybody else does. That's why you can contact them for that. But I'm always happy to speak to what we do. And here's the reality of the world. Let me, let me say this unequivocally. I do not believe, and I have said this all along, I do not believe Joe Biden legitimately won this election. Have I ever demonstrated any doubt about that assertion? No, no. From the day after the election to now, I do not believe he legitimately won the election. I don't believe what is it now? Eleven states are doing some form of absentee ballot reform. Why are that many states engaged in this after an election
0: that supposedly was totally on the up and up and passed the smell test? Right. Stapper today said it's because the Republicans are the ones trying to steal elections yes
3: That's why. yeah I, I I don't believe Joe Biden is the legitimate president of the United States I, I do let me let me rephrase that I don't believe Joe Biden legitimately won the presidency of the United States. he was sworn in as the legitimate president of the United States, but I do not believe that this election was legitimate. I've done numerous shows and segments and everything else on that topic. Here, again, just speaking for me, we, when, when um, Mike Lindell put out his first video on his beliefs on it, we actually played highlights of that on this show and reacted to it. But, but here are the re, here's the reality of where we are. The first question that was asked, if it was proven... And the elections were decertified. Like One state, Arizona, decertified its election. What would change? I I don't believe anything would change. You would not wake up the next day and not have Joe Biden be president of the United States. Now, it would obviously galvanize the other side, but I think we're at a point of diminishing returns with that. Similar to... All the fake Trump scandals that were really just done to provide, uh, to, to do two things. One, get the, have the president take the bait and get off the message of the agenda that actually the American people care about and um, get in the mud and sling soap opera dirt with the Dems and the media, but I repeat myself, which unfortunately he fell for that canard every time. It's a little bit like asking a fly to you know not land uh, you know, uh, on your windshield. Uh, it, it, it can't help itself. It's in its nature. Uh, but, but two, uh, was also to keep their own base at a frothing level, right? To keep them constantly on, on edge, donating, activating, turning out at masses of levels. But after a while, you reach a point of diminishing returns with that, right? You, just, mm-hmm. you can't be at 11 or 12. Human beings just can't do it all the time. I, I, I don't know. We, we're, you're watching a president dismantle your way of life. And not effectively. He's not good at this. He used to be a really good politician, but th- dementia does that to people. So we have somebody that's dismantling your way of life in real time. That that has your frothing at the mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Then yes. you're watching a guy that has dementia do it. Does that, does, does that take any of the edge off at all? No. Mm, not so that, much. Then you're watching states after just gaslight you that the election was not stolen. So they're going out and installing the very reforms you asked for four, five, six months ago, right? You're, so that, does that trip your trigger still? Love it. Okay. How much angrier do you get if Arizona says, yeah, Maricopa, Maricopa County is a scam, right? I mean, we're almost at the point now where this is kind of dynamics worked itself in reverse. I mean, you've seen it in a couple of special elections already. The the turnout models from the right have been, have overwhelmingly outperformed projections. Didn't we see this early on with the? You know what I'm saying. Um, So, if we're not going to really alter the outcome of the last election, here's. Can I just be really blunt? I'm going to be. That's what they want. I'm going to give you real bluntness. And there's 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 two reasons why we don't have like a top ten show. One is because unfortunately, people with bigger platforms over the years have been able to co opt our work and then just claim it as their own because if a tree falls in the forest, right? That, that's one. And frankly, I'm watching some people do that with COVID right now as we speak. Thankfully, we got Grant, we already got the number one book listing. Uh, we, got, we got that, uh, you know, we slipped that one past the goalie. So we can always claim that. Here's the other reason why. Too many of you want the soap opera, and I don't care about any of it. I never really have. Have I ever been a soap opera? Was I a soap opera guy pre-Trump? No. No. No, I, I don't care about any of that. I don't care. Too many consumers of conservative media, though, want the soap opera. At the times, it's been called owning the libs or whatever, clickbait. It's had different terms. But really what it is is you want the pro wrestling, you want the soap opera. That's what you want. You know, and Hulk Hogan, what you going to do under the sun lamp, riled up with Mean Gene, lobbing bombs at Rowdy Roddy Piper. That's what you want. That's what too many people want in this. Too many of our consumers want that. I don't care about any of that. I don't do a daily program on Brian Stelter. None of that stuff. I don't care. None of that does anything at all. Had a a two-hour lunch yesterday with my oldest Moved out on her own, getting caught up. See how she's doing, you know. Looking at, you know, she's talking about her future and what she wants to do. Uh, Brian Stelter obsession does nothing for that for her. Zip zilch nada. I don't care. If he gets in my way, I'll pile drive him. But he's never in my way because he does nothing of significance. Nothing. He's not a significant opponent. He's not worth my time. I've been on his show. That's another reason why I know he's not a significant opponent. Yet the amount of fascination from even major conservative media figures about him in my feed every day is unavoidable. I don't care. Too many consumers of this medium do, though. They want the soap opera. I don't. If I had taken my God-given talent and applied it to the soap opera, I'd be a lot bigger show, frankly. So the first is just what happens to you because that's just the law of the jungle, right? People with bigger platforms do the same or emulate your work and get credit for it because people know more about them than they know about you Brian. right okay i'm sure somewhere along the line there was somebody that we don't even heard of that was ahead of us on some of this covid stuff but they're they're doing it on blogspot.com and it looks like we're doing their work but it's our, you know that's that's there's always a bigger fish the second one is a conscientious decision we've made i don't care about the soap opera this has become soap opera until it's not what would make it not? I'm waiting to see what Mike Lindell does. I don't, if Mike Lindell re- responds to the lawsuit on the grounds that free, like his attorney Alan Dershowitz said, I have the freedom of speech to make those claims about Dominion. That's a punk up move, guys. I'm sorry. Just going to call it like it is. And first of all, I don't even agree with that strategy. So we're going to say libel and slander laws don't exist? You can just say whatever you want. Make any, any claims. Do, you, do we want no. them doing about that about us? We do not. I, first of all, I don't even think that's really a... Don't we have a commandment not to bear false witness? Correct. So I can just make any specious false claim I want, and it's free speech? No. And it would be all the stranger coming from Mike Lindell. Y- yes. So what I want to see Mike Lindell do, and I said this to Eric Metaxas when he asked me about this on his show about a month ago. I don't have a way, I don't have the means, the wealth, the opportunity to get clarity on what happened with those voting machines. I don't. Can you think of someone who does have some of that? Mike
0: Lindell. Mike Lindell
3: does. And he's countersuing them, right? I believe so. I would love to. I, I, no, we've not seen. I've not seen what the grounds for that happens to be. But I would like to see the countersuit evidence be on the grounds that the claims are true. Let's, let's find out what the truth is. Is Mike right? I found his presentation compelling. I have no... That's why I shared it with the audience. But can I independently verify any of that? No. No. Why are we so fixated on the COVID battle? Well, one, because this is the gun pointed at all of our faces right now. But how much of this can we independently verify? A lot more. A lot more. That's why we talk a lot more about how do I survive? How do... Not just me, but shows like me. Because there's others. How do we survive questioning these narratives of the spirit of the age here's how we survive because we don't have a big enough audience yet that they can't afford to ban us because of what we take with us so we have enough of an audience that we're a threat not a big enough audience though that we tell them what's up right right so that means the target's on our back I have to I have to make damn sure I'm talking about things I can independently verify. I step outside of that realm whatsoever, I put the platform at risk. I put the the blaze as a platform at risk. I put your abilities to feed your families and your careers at risk. I do the same thing with my own. I put a lot of things at risk. So I have to stay on what can I verify. I love the fact that so many of you send me links all day long. It really is helpful. I don't use a lot of them for two reasons. One is it's either something we know or two, it's from a, a site that I can't verify if I go with that. It, it's putting everybody's livelihoods on the line, right? But I, But if I, if I told you to stop doing that, I'd miss the several I get a day that do give us a tip. Right, I forward this stuff on to you guys, hey, regularly. I send this stuff on to Aaron. This is good montage material if we can verify it. So we really appreciate the fact you guys send that to us. Just understand that a lot of the sites you send to us, if we use that, we'd put the entire show in peril from a from a platform standpoint. That's just the cost of doing business. So we're in we're in a spot with the with the election story now. That there's no more evidence to independently verify that I'm aware of until Maricopa County finishes its audit. Now, they just anun- announced one in Georgia, I think I saw, right? Over the weekend, wasn't there another one?
1: I believe so. Okay. Not entirely
3: sure. And then we see what happens with the suits and the countersuits involving the voting machines. Short of that, though, everything else I would say gets me in the realm of pure conjecture. And if you want shows like mine to survive you want me operating in the least amount of conjecture as possible because that's 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 when they come for us did that sufficiently answer that do you think i believe so and i yeah. could can, can, can i be more brutally honest than i just was in no. response to it
0: just remember the you think the you think that there's the silver bullet out there that's just going to like cause the clouds to part and the, the rays of heaven to shine down it, it, we all hope for that but remember we I booked on the show and Steve interviewed that wonderful woman from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And it just it, it didn't matter. She's the matter. one went after
3: her state legislature yes. for imposing drop boxes outside
0: of state law. She had us close and our frustration all along between the election um, and the inauguration. We're like, we can't care about this ultimately more than all of these people in all these states. Who's their job to do this? She had a silver billet of sorts. It seemed as close to anybody Uh, in the business that had one and Republicans and Democrats just shrugged their shoulders and said, you know, I got something else to do. So it Steve is absolutely right. I was frustrated.
3: Also, I spent a good deal of time last year, frankly, feeling as if I was working harder to get Donald Trump reelected than he was. Right. With the COVID narrative, I felt that way after the election. Right. All the fanciful claims of Giuliani and all these people. Meanwhile, every day on my Twitter feed, I'd see this Steve Cortez guy. Now, I don't know Steve Cortez at all. Never met him. Don't know about him. But every day on my Twitter, on my Twitter feed, he would put out a video doing the math of this election, almost exactly what I was doing on this show from the day after the election on and yet for whatever reason i don't know wasn't sensationalistic enough didn't have trump's here i don't know they went with the giuliani nine point conspiracy strategy as to just pointing out the math of the election on its face does not work how do you explain these incongruencies how do you explain these these fallacies how do you explain them Because, and and then the obvious explanation is always well, Trump was uniquely unpopular. Okay? Which is why he also got 10 million more votes than he got the, while being uniquely unpopular, he got 10 million more votes than he got the first time he ran. I'm sorry, you're gonna have to do better than that because the reality is for your, for this, here's the thing for this election to be legit, if you do the math, Trump should have lost by worse. Worse. Because the same mail-in harvest scheme existed in every in every other urban area that Trump was not popular with, correct? The second largest county in your former home state of Wisconsin, they got all the ballots in and everything on time. How did they figure that out? Milwaukee County is just uniquely stupid. You Milwaukee County just uniquely full of stupid people. Don't know what a
0: mailbox is. Don't know when to send mail in. Don't know what a postage stamp is. They're just uniquely dumb uniquely stupid. I live in Madison. There's some uniquely dumb people there too. I promise you that. But the point is this should have happened everywhere. Yes,
3: that's my, yes. Biden should have won Missouri because then the overwhelming amount of inner city voters who hate, who hate the racist Trump should have overrode. They should have rolled those drop boxes in with 4am vote dumps in Kansas City and St. Louis and taken Missouri. They should have done it in Houston and Dallas and taken Texas. They should have done it everywhere. How come they only did it in a handful of places where they uniquely controlled every aspect of the local governing structure and have infamously for decades? How come? See, these are the the questions Cortez was was prompting. But I would just see him with 20, 30, 40, 50,000 view videos on my Twitter feed while Giuliani got on Fox every single night. Okay? So in the end... That's why. Because, again, there's a lot of conservative consumers who want the soap opera, want the show more than they want the actual results. That's what I'm fighting against all the
1: time. Next up, we'll go to Reid uh, P151. Why do you think Republicans have been mostly silent about the people arrested on January 6th still being held in solitary confinement?
3: All the answers to your question are bad. It's a combination of gutlessness. Um, it's a combination of we hate those people because we hate our own base. I mean, for everybody, it's going to be a little bit different. Okay. But it's a combination of those two things. Back to And, and this actually ties back to the previous question. I disagreed and still do vehemently with one of my very best friends about this last election, and Chip Roy, the Texas congressman. And anybody who doesn't want to support Chip because he doesn't agree with you on this last election, did you make that decision or did Chip? Chip did, right?
0: Yes, of So, course. So
3: is he accountable to you or are you accountable to him?
0: He's always accountable to you. So
3: I've got, have you seen me argue with anybody that said, I've lost my faith in ship? You can lose your faith in anybody you want, anytime you want. We the people, we're the boss. We can just decide we don't want to reelect people because we don't like their hair. We can do whatever we want. We're the bosses here. Sometimes the answer just needs to be because I said so, because it's Tuesday. I like them apples. I'm totally down for that. Everybody's responsible for the decisions they made. So if you're one of the people that just think Chip lets you down over this and you can't get past it, well, Chip's a big boy. He knew, what, he knew well, very well and knows to this day what the consequences were for the stance that he took. Let me tell you, though, why I did not make that choice. In fact, let me just give you an example. As far as I know, there's only been two members of the U.S. House of Representatives that have made a formal request to the Department of Justice demanding an explanation for the indefinite detention of hundreds of Americans after January the 6th. One of them, Congressman Thomas Massey from Kentucky. Do you know who the other one is? Congressman Chip Roy from Texas. Because the very motivations that had Chip stand where he stood on Jan- about what happened January 6th, and not waver is also why he's one of the few people pushing back on this narrative from the platform of his own elected office that's why but as an answer to your question it's it's a, it's it's a mixture of shame a shame of those people because they're ashamed of their own base. And then two, cowardice. I, I That's a pretty simple answer to that question.
0: Indeed it is. Here's There's another question,
3: be. though. Here's another question. In fact, I'm going to ask more of these now before he runs again because y'all won't let me ask these questions after he runs again. You'll lose your damn minds if I do. So let me ask him now. Why isn't Donald Trump pushing back harder? Where's the office of the former president at? All the Trump kids are still on social media. I don't know. Are they, I mean, is Don Jr., all these people, are they pushing back on that? Are they demanding? Maybe they are. I don't know. But how about we just go to him? Those are his supporters. Why isn't he pushing back harder?
1: What are they going to do? Impeach him
3: again? Exactly. I I find it fascinating, frankly, that a congressman that doesn't think the last election was stolen and that Trump announced he wanted to primary, which he would never be able to successfully do. He'd get destroyed. But that Congressman Chip Roy is doing more to push back on Trump supporters being indefinitely detained than Donald Trump is. Where's he at? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? I am beyond. And if that's your shibboleth, that's a you problem. Let me tell you what I'm out of permanently. I got out of the um babysitting grown ass men business several years ago. I'm out of the caring more about your base and your reelect prospects than you are business. I'm permanently out of that. Amen. Amen. Permanently Amen. out of that. I don't think it's too much to ask that maybe Trump use his platform. We know he can speak up on it, right? He spoke up about the January 6th commission. It was just a it was an ambush. Don't fall for it. What about those hundreds of Trump voters indefinitely detained? What, what's he got to say about that? Anything? Oh, now he's on our former colleague Dan Boncino. Congrats to Dan. He takes over. Uh, it's not Rush Limbaugh's network; it's a competing network, but it's that coveted Rush Limbaugh time slot today. I believe the former president is is his first guest. I think so. Maybe that'll come up in the conversation, but. If you've got evidence of Trump taking some kind of strong stand on behalf of the hundreds of Trump supporters indefinitely detained since January the 6th, by all means, send it to me because I've yet to see a single example of it. In fact, he was president until when?
0: Of very recently. January 20th, US. right?
3: So full two weeks later? Yes. Could he not have just blanket pardoned all those people? Could have. Could have done that too. Did he do that? He did not. Did not. So I don't know. Why, why is the guy who's in Congress that the president threatened with a primary who doesn't think the last election was stolen, why is he doing more to get justice for the president's voters who do think the election was stolen than the very former president the election was likely stolen from? Anybody have an answer to that? I'm going to ask more of these kinds of questions before he officially runs again, just so I get all my markers and stuff laid out and done now. Because after he runs again, y'all won't let me do that. You'll lose your damn minds. Okay? Been there, done that. We've done, we've done this rodeo, right? We know how it ends. Yeah, Just a bit. So I'm going gonna, gonna to get it all out now before all the emotion kicks in when he runs again. So get used to these kinds of questions. Why isn't he doing a damn thing about it? Where's he at? Anybody? Do you know? I do know. Is that a fair question to ask? Yes. More than fair. Yeah. I mean, who's probably got more power right now? Some minority member of the House of Representatives or a former sitting president of the... Dude's got so much power, the New York Attorney General is threatening him and his organization with a criminal investigation to stop him from... Try to threaten him from not running again. We talked about that last week, I think right? we did.
1: Liz Cheney just called and said it's probably Trump.
3: Yeah, I think Liz Cheney can answer that question for us. So where's that at? You don't think if Trump called Kevin... Mc, at this point, Trump could make an indecent proposal to Kevin McCarthy. And he's going to say, which hole? All right? So you don't think Trump could call Kevin McCarthy and say, hey, um, you're the minority leader, man. Get some, get, get, get some answers about why hundreds of my voters are sitting in a jail cell indefinitely. I want answers to that. Think he couldn't do that? I'm sure he can. I'm pretty sure that he could. Why hasn't he? I don't know. I'll take kinds of questions we need to be asking more often for $1,000, Alex. More in a moment. Patriot Academy's Constitutional Defense Course is hosted at the Frontsite Firearms Training Institute in Nevada just outside of Vegas, 500 plus acre compound where you will get uh, not just multiple days of physical training on self-defense with a weapon, but also intellectual defense. With the Constitution. Our colleague Daniel Horowitz has done a few of these with his audience. This is the same course. And right now, you know, they do this for upwards of 50,000 people every single year. And right now they want to invite you to their next two, May 30th and June 6th might be too late for May 30th. I don't know, but uh, it certainly isn't for June 6th. Get 90% off that training today. You'll have to take care of your logistics, of course. But the training itself, you can get 90% off. Take the whole family. It is family friendly. Uh, A lot of families do this as a vacation if you want to do that. All right? 90% off today when you go to constitutioncoach.com. Again, that's constitutioncoach.com. Get those big savings 90% off at constitutioncoach.com. Let's get back to our Monday Ask Me Anything Town Hall with Parlor back in action. Uh, our Parlor followers, they get to ask the questions this week. Aaron.
1: We've got another two-parter. We'll start with Joshua Lee, uh, who I'll just boil down. He says uh, his church in Michigan has been very compliant with the uh, state recommendations on <clears throat> COVID mitigation efforts like um, social distancing, wearing masks. He says, though, if they start requiring kids to mask up, he's going to stop going to church. Uh, He's been willing to stay with the church because he understands how dumb the state's policies have been. He says the church has been using the excuse of uh, submitting to the governing authorities and that this is not a salvation uh, issue, so they're just going along with it. His question is, uh, should I start looking for a new church or am I being selfish?
3: Yes, Uh, you need to start at least... Um, you need to have a, a a list, a bailout, a plan B. Yes. When when they put Jesus on the cross, there was a sign over his head. What did it say?
0: Jesus and answer, the king of the Jews. Yes.
3: In the Roman pagan mind, now we understand with enlightenment from the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, conversion, we understand. We killed Christ, that he laid down his life for his friends to be the singular atonement to satisfy the wrath of God ultimately, right right okay does the unregenerate Roman mind see that? no so they were obviously being used by a sovereign God to bring his wrath to a culmination correct correct the 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 ideology that they were humanistically pursuing within the sovereignty of God saw Jesus as a seditionist when the religious council when the Sanhedrin took him before Pontius Pilate the prefect who was hesitant about getting involved in a largely parochial obscure from his perspective Jewish religious argument what did the members of the Sanhedrin say to him in order to persuade him to reconsider his laissez-faireness towards the story? They said, this man claims to be our king and we have no king but Caesar. They were claiming Christ was a seditionist, which was ultimately what Rome hung him on the tree for. Why was Peter crucified upside down? Why, why did Nero take Paul's head off? How many more shows on Romans 13, guys, do I have to do? All of them. Apparently every day we have to do a new show on this. Like every day. Okay. But it's pretty clear that Romans 13, and then Peter reiterates this later in one of his epistles, a similar theme. It is very clear that Peter and Paul did not mean. What do words mean? I know we live in this reconstructionist era. We sit around in our small groups. What's that mean to you? Don't ever invite me to your small group if that's the conversation you have. It'll, it'll be an uncomfortable end to that small group. Quick. No one cares what it means to you, dude. You deserve hell. What the hell? What it means to you? How about what does it mean? Start there. So I know we live in this postmodern era of reconstructionism. Here's what words mean. What the author who wrote them intended them to. Seems fair. That's how do we know the full context? Forget my own exegetical analysis of these passages, which we've done how many times in the last year, regardless of forget hermeneutical differences. Why don't we look at the men who wrote these passages? Just look at them. Would there seem to be a better authority on what Peter meant when he wrote honor the King than Peter, not when they were willing to die to defend it. Would there be a better authority on what Romans 13 meant than Paul when he wrote it? Same answer. Same answer. So then should we not then look at their own testimonies as to what these passages mean? Forget my translation. I'm a schmuck born to a 15-year-old mom who finished community college once. Let's look at them. They're the ultimate authorities here, right? Correct. Correct. Somewhere along the line, they clearly understood there was a line that Caesar is not entitled to. Otherwise, Paul doesn't get beheaded and... Peter's going to get crucified upside down, right? Right. So right away, we've spotted a fallacy. Now, I am not saying that going along at any point with these initial restrictions is grounds for leaving your church. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the motivations your church would communicate for why they're doing so could be. Your governor has been, had, just again this weekend, man. How many more times she got to show her ass before you all figure out? She's a little petty tyrant.
0: They must really love killing babies and transgender madness up here. Just must her, love it. To just need her constantly making sure that happens yes. so the ovens keep. What your church
3: is basically saying is. That there's no place that they can currently identify where they would defy the state. And I'm telling you right now, that is a salvation issue. We have no king but Jesus. That's why Paul was crucified, or Peter was crucified upside down. That is why Paul had his head taken off. That is why the Roman mind was convinced to put him on a tree. We're the authority here, not you. We say we have no king but Jesus. They say there is no King Jesus. In fact, that was kind of the very first salvation issue the church faced. We've got the Sanhedrin and the Roman authorities both coming after us, attempting to persecute us. Do we bend just a little bit? they came to an 81-year-old man once named Polycarp and said, you know, if you just bow this knee one time and submit to the authority unconditionally, you're such a nice, gentle soul, such a good, such a good citizen. None of us really want to persecute you. Just do it this one time. And we'll just bounce out of here, go back and report to our superiors and live out the rest of your lives. Polycarp said, you know, after all these years, my Lord has been faithful to me. How can I not now at the end be faithful to him? And the Romans so re- respected that from this genteel senior citizen that they said, you know, we'll just keep this between ourselves and move on. No, they took that 80-year-old man and burned him alive That's what they did. Don't tell me unconditional fealty to the state isn't a salvation issue. What your church just told you, sir, is they have not worked out their own salvations in fear and trembling. They've not game planned it out. It's one thing for us all to be caught off guard in the last year. Mercy triumphs over judgment where that is concerned, right? Initially, of course. But should there not then have been that, should that have not then been the incentive to begin, you know, maybe we need a game theory, some things out here in case this stuff ever comes up again in the future. It's that wise as
0: serpents thing, I think.
3: Your church just told you they're not doing any of that. Well, I don't know. The community says, don't preach Leviticus and what Romans and Corinthians has to say about homosexuality anymore. Maybe that's the next one that's not a salvation issue. Well, I mean, it's in the Michigan Civil Code that that men have a uterus. I mean, that's not a salvation issue, right? The first conflict the early church faced systemically. was the idea of who ultimately is in charge down here on this, on this rock. Joshua, in the Old Testament, looks at the Jewish people and says, if Baal is God, go and serve him. But if the Lord is God, go and serve him. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What is that? If the local custom, if the local government, if the local Authorities. Religion is God. Serve it accordingly. Don't tell me these aren't salvation issues. Every time we sin, it is because we have questioned God's authority. Every time I do, it's because I have put my desires ahead of God's authority. Every time Todd does Every time Aaron does Every time all of you do Same dilemma Don't tell me A question of authority Whether you preach the word of God to people or not In person as it was intended Is not a question of authority And therefore a salvation issue Next question
1: We'll go to Ginny B, who says, I'm impressed by how well you and Todd quote scripture, but not Aaron. Uh, what Bible study habits do you have that led to this? <laughs> it's funny because Aaron might be the best out of all three yes, of us. Yes,
3: Aaron is really good That's at it, actually.
0: Yeah, no. um, I
3: mean, just for me, I've just... Uh, Romans 12, do not do no longer be conformed to the thoughts and patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind... It, The first time I read the New Testament all the way through as a believer, I noticed that there were very few things that I was called as a believer to take the initiative to do. On the offensive end, most of the rest of the challenge was to deny myself, to not take initiative, to let the hope of glory Christ live in and through me, right? It's no longer I who live. And and then there are limited exceptions, and one that stood out to me the most was that one. To take that initiative seriously. To know why you believe what you believe. And so, I mean, I just spent years, I, I've watched show after show after show on every Christian TV network. I listened to tons of podcasts when it was in the nascent stages of that. And on in for many years um several books different bible studies um but i mean i just i made the conscience i don't i can't give you i mean there's an individual books and stuff i would recommend but really i i would recommend a commitment more than a a book or a series of videos like i could give you the truth project that the world may know video series by Ray Vanderlaan is spectacular. I've been through every one of those DVDs at least once. I could recommend those things, but really I would, I would recommend commitment. That you com- I, I had to make a commitment. I, if this stuff is true, I should know at least as much about the minutia of this as I do Michigan football. I made that commitment to myself. So instead of specific recommendations, I would recommend to begin with an overarching commitment. Todd, I'll let you answer that here in just a minute after I tell the audience about realestateagentsitrust.com. If you are um, getting into this uncertain real estate market in these unprecedented times, make sure you go in with an agent that you can trust, someone who will come in, take charge of the situation, but then remember that ultimately you're the one who's in charge. Where would you find such a person? And how about we throw in, that this one's on us, we'll do this extra we we'll throw in somebody with a verified track record of success at the exact same time. Well, the name kind of says it all. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. A lot of these agents, this kind of network of agents around the country, organically grew out of this own audience here at The Blaze. Just People said, hey, we are the kinds of agents you're looking for. Connect us with your audience so that we can serve them the way they deserve all over the country. And that's now that network has mushroomed. It's grown. And we can connect you with an agent that you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com.
0: To Steve's point, I agree wholeheartedly. you, You just don't think of this too systemically. Uh, trust the Holy Spirit to do what he does that you just you just read it and he will bring it to life when and where he sees fit. I'll tell you right now, in this year, I don't know if this will surprise you or not, I have read less scripture in the last year than in many, many years because it just feels like boots on the ground w- war. But I've been prepared for the I see the work I put in coming alive over and over again. I just, so it comes to me and that's, that's not a me thing, and it's not a Steve thing. It's absolutely a Holy Spirit thing. Just just pick up the book, open it up, start reading, and, and keep going, and trust that the Lord has got it.
1: I uh, don't think there's enough time for another question. All
3: right, and I'll turn it over to you guys. Any final thoughts, Aaron, I'll let you go first.
1: Yeah. Just on that last thing. I mean, ultimately just remember reading, reading the scripture. There's, there's a number of reasons to do that. Uh, Obviously we're told to anyway, but ultimately the reason to do that is to saturate your mind and to help you and to equip you to love the Lord with your mind. That's the ultimate reason why any of us read or memorize scripture. And I would just say personally, personally, um, you know, you can start with sections, but I like trying trying for, for books. I There was at one point I had about uh, three-fourths of Colossians memorized just from doing it every single day. Um, starting with Christology, you know, I would say if you're starting to read the Bible, start with Colossians maybe.
3: Good stuff. That's one of the reasons why we chose it for our first and still only— uh, verse-by-verse Bible study we ever did on the show. Sounds sure. good. We'll be back at it again tomorrow, noon to Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317.
2: This is Steve Dace
5: on the Blaze Radio Network.